Stewart is in. Goblin in alone with Stewart back in. Scores! Over the blue line, space. Philly on near circle, back door feet. What a blocker save by Portillo! Here comes Halliday, left wing, joined by Beck. Halliday will sauce it for Beck, stick with for him. What a goal! For plenty of time and space, walking in near circle to the back end of the slot. Eber beats it, tucks it in. What a goal! Cross ice, D. St. Val has it. Back door shot, what a save! Portillo, it's loose, and another save. Right pad, he's miraculous. Welcome to our house. You're listening to the Fighting Saints Report. And we welcome you into another edition of the Fighting Saints Report. Jack Molesky joined by Jim Leitner. A little bit of an impromptu Fighting Saints Report as uh, we didn't have any recording on Monday for you simply because there was no game this past weekend, uh, that being postponed due to uh, league protocol. And uh, unfortunately for the Fighting Saints, as we're talking here this morning, there's going to be no game on Friday or Saturday of this upcoming weekend, again, for safety reasons. Uh, and as we welcome Jim onto the show, Jim, we knew this was always a, a possibility going into the season. And uh, unfortunately, as good as the Fighting Saints have been with everything, they still got hit with a couple postponements. Uh, and just hopefully this is all it is for the Fighting Saints, these few games, and then they're able to get back on the ice on Monday against the Buccaneers. Yeah, you know, and even talking to, you know, from day one, talking to Coach Oliver David, you know, he that's the one thing that he talked about, you know, before he ever talked about anything that was going on on the ice, he always had to talk about what was going on off the ice. And, you know, I think the Fighting Saints had as good a protocol and as good of uh, – safety measures in place as you possibly could have and uh but still it it kind of crept into the organization a little bit so it just goes to show you how i mean you can be as careful as you can possibly be and it can still creep in there so uh yeah i hope that this is uh just the just a little small blip on the radar and that everything can get back to normal and uh again as i've said before i think Sometimes when you lose something like this, it really reinforces how, how important the protocol is and how important it is to really be disciplined in, in everything that you do. So hopefully that's a reminder to everybody around here that uh, you have to be a little bit more careful than, than you were. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with the Fighting Saints, um, hoping to get back on the ice here shortly and start up the practices once again, once their uh, period of, of their layoff is over rather and um, do have a, a rare Monday game to look forward to. So they'll be able to get back a little bit quicker than, than normal with that Monday game against the Des Moines Buccaneers. And I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup because Des Moines is playing this weekend, but Des Moines has yet to play this season. So they're going to be coming into that game a little bit rusty and the Fighting Saints probably a little bit rusty when they go into the Monday. <clears throat> Two teams with unorthodox layoffs heading into a Monday night matchup, uh, but two teams that did see each other in the preseason. So there is a little bit of familiarity there. Yeah, no question. And I think this is a, this is a, a period where it's really vital to have that expanded roster, you know, to have that, you know, teams are allowed to have 25 players this year, which is up from 23. I think it's going to be huge because, uh, you know, you, there is going to be a little bit of rust and, you know, a team like Des Moines, you know, playing this weekend and then turning around and playing Monday, 
you know, a lot of games in a short period of time, it's going to be important for them to have that expanded roster to get everybody in. And, um, it, you know, as far as Dubuque, I think it's a, it is an intriguing matchup. It's probably, it's probably the best game to have coming back because you are a little bit familiar with the other team. You know, having, you know, granted, it's been a couple of weeks since the Fighting Saints played the Buccaneers in, in the preseason, but, you know, there really is a little bit of familiarity. You know a little bit about their personnel. You know, you know a little bit about their systems and what they like to do. So I think that's, from a mental standpoint, I think that'll help a little bit to, to get into that game and, and be prepared for that, as opposed to playing a team that's a complete unknown that you haven't seen or you really can't even watch on, on video. Yeah, and I, I guess what's the what's the the mentality like after a, a layoff like this? Because I imagine as a player, it's it's got to be really tough to just sit around for a long time and then go into a a game. I guess by by some token, you could say that they're going to be really really hungry and just excited to get back out there. But you get into a routine of practicing every day and preparing one way, and then this completely throws a wrench into it. So how do you think that impacts a team? Do you think there are some positives and negatives, or is it just more one way or the other? You know what? I, I think uh, conventional wisdom tells you that the team that's coming off a long layoff is at a huge, huge disadvantage. And, I mean, that's the way I would I would think. But – Again, I've seen it since since June um, at the high school level, pro level, you know, high school baseball, high school football, uh, pro baseball, major league baseball. I've seen these teams that are coming off layoffs. They come and they play extremely well, which I have no idea why that is. You know, maybe it's you know, topsy-turvy, upside-down world 2020. But I've seen it left and right where these teams that come in off a big layoff, they, they play extremely well, and they win. Uh, so, um, so I, I mean, like I said, I think, you're, you know, your conventional wisdom tells you that they should be rusty and they should be at a huge disadvantage and they should probably get beat. But uh, it's not working out that way. <laughs> And uh, I, I think that's, uh, again, I think it's, you, you just chalk that up to 2020 that it's everything that you think is one way is going to come out a different way. And, you know, so I, I guess the, the short response to that question is, I don't know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think there's also something to be said for, Every team in this league, and we talk about this so much in normal years, every team in this league is supremely talented. And even if there is that long layoff, there's just a certain level of talent that you can't teach. And it doesn't matter how long you go without practicing, that talent can shine through on any given night. So I think that also is, you know, uh, a reason why you could see some of these teams who haven't played in so long come out and, and look like the best team in the league simply because they've got the talent to perform like that. And yeah, conventional wisdom says, well, two weeks off of practice, you shouldn't be beating a team that's played every single week. But sometimes there's just a team that out talents another one night. And, and that's what we could see in a lot of these cases. Well, and you know, I, I think we mentioned this a, a couple of weeks ago, back in the preseason, you know, I've been really impressed, you know, not just this year, but the last couple of years 
um, you know, you go into those pre those first couple preseason games and you expect it to be real ugly hockey and, you know, you expect to be very little flow and a lot of disruption that, but to your point, you see all these talented, talented players and they come out in the first preseason game and they look like it's mid season almost, but you know, how, you know, how fluid they are now, granted, they're not, they're not in mid season form by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not awful either. I mean, they're, they're actually good, you know, good games, good flow to the game and good, good pace. So um, I think that's, uh, it really speaks to your point about the amount of talent that's out there and, you know, that they, you don't have the normal rust that we had a few years ago or, you know, many years ago where you just expected the, the games to be horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, when we look at the standings right now, uh, almost every single team, I believe every single team has had a game, if not more impacted by some sort of postponement. Uh, the max amount of games played through three weeks of the season right now is, or excuse me, through two weeks of the season, I should say, is three games. Uh, the Gamblers, the Lumberjacks, the Phantoms, and the Tri-City Storm, along with the Sioux City Musketeers, have played three games. Des Moines has yet to play a single game. Team USA has yet to play a single game in USHL action. And then you have a, a plethora of teams at one game, maybe two games. Uh, but right now, the Gamblers are the lone undefeated team with more than two games under their belt. Fargo has two wins in two games, and Omaha has one win, no loss. Uh, so there's really it, – it's – to me, it's really tough to evaluate anything right now in terms of, oh, this is the team to beat. This is the, this is a, this might be a bottom dweller just because even though we've had some games just been so choppy that there really isn't any way to indicate that this team could go on a run. Um, but I think in the Eastern Conference, when we look, obviously the Fighting Saints haven't won a game, but we know that they're a young, talented team. Right now, Green Bay and Muskegon – I think Muskegon is going to be up there all season long and Green Bay has one of the deepest and most veteran lineups this year. So while there is a small sample size, I think it's also pretty safe to say that Green Bay and Muskegon might be two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference all season long. Yeah, I think so too. You know, you're looking at a couple of the real good high-end talent on both of those teams and their veteran groups too. So I think they might be able to handle this adversity or this weird season a little bit better. Um, I, I I still think you have to put Chicago in that mix uh, because it, as extremely talented as, as that team was last year, it, it kind of sounds like they're more and more excited about this year's team than they were about last year's team. And that was almost a record setting team last year. So I think that's a team just right now, they've only played the one game, but they allowed 10 goals 10 goals in one game and got beat 10 to eight. So uh, yeah, when you score eight goals, you should win. But uh, I, I think that's a, you know, I definitely wouldn't count out Chicago because I know that that's a, that's a real high end team, high end talent team. Uh, but I do think Green Bay and, and Muskegon are both veteran laden teams and I think they'll be able to handle this pretty well. So I, I, I do think that's, it's going to be a dogfight, I think in the, in the Eastern conference, no question about it. And, you know, and then you always have to throw in this monkey wrench of the virus and how, how teams adjust to it and how teams adapt to it. So uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting year. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, the, like you said, the, the virus is one of the other factors that you can't really account for. But uh, with possible layoffs of, of two weeks, if not more at a time, that is a very real possibility for these teams. And you could be on a, a really hot run and suddenly uh, impacted, whether it's your team itself or a team you're going to play that week and, and be off for a couple weeks like we've seen for the Fighting Saints. So uh, I do think that's a very interesting uh, twist in all of this that, you know, we've, we've seen it impact the season already. And it's a very real possibility that that continues for uh, a couple months here as well. Um, looking at the Fighting Saints a little bit further down the road, the next home game that we have to look forward to against Team USA in a little over a week's time on the 28th. Uh, and for the Fighting Saints, they were supposed to play a ton of games to start the season at home. Now the, the home schedule is going to be a little bit more even, though, because you already have three games that are going to be rescheduled, likely for the second half of the season. Um, so that does throw more games tighter together for the Fighting Saints after the new year. But it actually, I think, also creates a little bit of a better balance for Dubuque because they're not going to be on the road for as many stretches uh, of sustained play. They're actually going to get some home games interspersed. So while it's obviously tough to postpone those games, there might be a small benefit for it if you're Dubuque as well. Yeah, I do think that's going to be a little bit of a benefit and uh, to, to balance that out. I mean, I, I you know, you... I wasn't really sure what to think of that, the schedule, because it was so home heavy right off the top. And, you know, I, I think in the past, I think fighting saints have kind of liked being on the road uh, at the beginning of the season. And, you know, because you get to bond and you get to, you know, I think that's where you can really develop a team, team chemistry as on the bus. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think spreading that out is going to be better beneficial for the fighting saints. And, and uh, you know, it's always nice to have those home games in the second half of the season when you draw a little bit better and, you know, hopefully, hopefully knock on wood, we're in a better place with the virus where you can have more fans and you can have more people in the building. Uh, so, I mean, but who knows what's going to happen in the second half, but I think that's, it is going to be nicer to have it spread out. Yeah, I think a lot of teams hoping that they can start to have some more fans in, in attendance and uh, get those great USHL crowds back in, in more of full force uh, as the season progresses. Um, one season that's that you're just starting and we should probably talk about now uh, is the, the NCAA season. Um, that was for a long time in question. There are still some teams in some leagues that either won't be playing or are still trying to work out the logistics of playing. Uh, but last weekend, there were already games, Wisconsin and Notre Dame playing uh, a couple game series. And uh, before we get into anything else with the NCAA season, big performance from a former fighting Saint last weekend with Notre Dame. Uh, Alex Steves had a, a highlight reel assist, but uh, Colin Tyson is it Tyson or Tyson? Which one? Tyson, Tyson, yeah. Colin Tyson, a hat trick, his first career hat trick for Notre Dame. So uh, a pretty cool start to the NCAA season with a fighting Saint right there. Uh, at the headline yeah he's always been a sniper throughout his even when he was back here in Dubuque he was a sniper and he's I really he gets a shot off really quickly and um, he does a great job I believe he's a senior right now so it'll be interesting to see hopefully he has an opportunity to play at the next level next year but he's been a, he's been a leader for for Notre Dame since he got on campus and 
you know, it's nice to see him get off to such a good start. And you mentioned, yeah, that, that was a great highlight reel pass from Alex Steves. And, you know, he's another one, I think, uh, give him a couple more years in South Bend. He might have a, a really good opportunity at a pro career. And also in that game, we saw another strong performance from a uh, former Fighting Saints, someone that I think Dubuque would have liked to have seen a little bit more uh, in Dubuque. But Ryder Donovan had two goals for the Wisconsin Badgers on the flip side uh, of of that game against Notre Dame. So uh, a really good series all around for some fighting, some former fighting saints. Uh, and now this weekend we get to see some more former fighting saints as Wisconsin plays Michigan. Uh, we've got a, a Penn state series against Minnesota. Um, the big college hockey news is that uh, Long Island university LIU gets to play their first ever collegiate hockey game against Holy cross, I believe. Uh, so that's pretty interesting to see the, uh, the beginning of uh, a new men's hockey team this weekend. I think tonight is the first game for LIU, and that's always interesting to see how a, a team kind of kicks off uh, their NCAA hockey career. You know, it's, it's an amazing story. You know, I, I think it, it caught a lot of people off guard when Long Island University announced that they were going to have hockey this year. But I think they did it like in the midst of the, uh, they made the announcement in the midst of the pandemic even, oh. if not mistaken. But, I, you know, I honestly, I thought that they would possibly try to delay their debut in college hockey by a year um, just because of the pandemic. And it's so hard to put together a, a Division One hockey program in short order, you know, in a regular year, in a normal year, in a normal recruiting year. Uh, but to do it in a year like this with, with a pandemic going on where you can't really, you can't have people come on campus to visit your place. You can't, you know, recruiting is a lot, lot harder. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, I think it's a huge triumph right now that they're even able to take the ice, you know, starting up a team in, in, in this kind of uh, environment. Uh, so good for them. Hopefully, hopefully they get off to a flying start and, um, you know, their all their work in this crazy times has been uh, has been rewarded. Yeah, it's always cool to see the, the start of a D1 hockey program. We've seen uh, a couple pop up in the last few years. Arizona State, uh, one of the newer programs, Penn State a little further back, and uh, now Long Island University, their first season, their very first game coming up in uh, just moments when you talk about this weekend against Holy Cross. Um, and, and then when you look at the, the other games this weekend, a lot of Big Ten hockey, Arizona State playing against Michigan State, and Arizona State just an honorary member of the Big Ten this year. Um, they're without a conference, but they just hopped on to the Big Ten. I, I think I saw on, on Twitter last weekend, they were packing for like a 23-day road trip. So they're all over the Midwest playing Big Ten teams. Again, they uh, played last weekend. Um, in the Big Ten, and they're playing Michigan State this weekend. But Arizona State, if you're a Fighting Saints fan, that's a team that you can basically adopt as your own in the NCAA because every single year for the last couple of years, they've had multiple Fighting Saints. And this year, they've got a ton with James Sanchez and Jacob Semek, Willie Neera, Matthew Copper, who played in his first NCAA action last weekend. So it's definitely fun to watch Arizona State games and see that team. Yeah, and then don't forget Mike Field, the uh, the assistant coach, used to be a coach here in Dubuque too. So uh, quite the pipeline going into Arizona State and you know you mentioned that 21 game road trip and again 
you would think, man, that's, that's crazy. How are they going to do that being away from school that long? I think it's, it's probably the best thing you can have right now because I'm sure they're doing virtual learning out there or, you know, most schools have gone to a virtual learning situation. So it's not like they're missing out on classroom time. It's not like they're really missing out on a ton. You just hop on the bus and or I'm sure they flew, but I mean, you go there and you're in your hotel room and it's feels like your classroom back in, in, in Arizona. I mean, it's the same, same thing that the students down in Arizona are going through. So, you know, I, you say it, it's, it's probably not a bad thing to have a 21 game road or 21 day road trip at this time in, in this part, part of our history. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, interesting to see how, how they're able to work through 23 straight games away from their uh, away from their home in hotels. But yeah, it's got to be a great bonding experience for all of them. So uh, always cool to follow along with those great Arizona state players uh, from fighting saints seasons past and uh, a couple more this year from the fighting saints to ASU pipeline with Ryan Alexander now on the fighting saints this season and Riley Stewart as well. Uh, before we let everyone go, final thing from this show, again, just an impromptu show. We wanted some hockey content. We wanted to talk hockey since we've been missing it with the Fighting Saints not playing uh, last weekend and not playing this weekend as well. Uh, but the NHL with uh, some big announcements coming up here shortly, I'm sure, with their season and what they officially plan to do with their actual season, but coming out with some new swag for all 31 teams as they announced the reverse retro series with Adidas and always cool when teams get new jerseys, but it's really cool when every single team in the league gets a new Jersey. Uh, and it was, it's always interesting to go through and see which ones you like, which ones you don't like. So we're going to do our quick rankings of our bottom three, our top three, just to figure out where our tastes lie with these new jerseys. Uh, but first and foremost, Jim, again, it's, it's always cool to see some new jerseys and it's exciting that we're going to be able to see these jerseys in action next season. Oh, no doubt. It's, it's kind of cool. And, you know, and I think it, it generates a lot of buzz and, you know, I think that's actually really good for the NHL to have that kind of buzz and, you know, any more hockey jerseys are pretty good, uh, a pretty good fashion statement. And, you, you know, I see a lot of people who are might not necessarily be hockey fans wearing hockey jerseys and, and that's always a good, uh, that's always a good uh, commercial for the NHL to have that out there. Yeah. So we'll get into. Do we should we do the the bottom three first, or are you think in the top three? Uh, you know, and I'd probably go with the bottom three. I think there, I, I think there's some ones at the bottom that are awful. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> some strong opinions here. So uh, why don't we start with you? And I guess we'll say, you know, unless you have a strict one, two, three order on both of these, for me, it's kind of no particular order. It's just my favorite three, my bottom three. I don't know how you organize this as well. Yeah, I just went through, uh, I looked at them alphabetically and I just wrote, wrote them down. So I don't have a, well, I, I know there's one for sure. That's by far the worst. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, reverse retro is awful. <laughs> you know, it's just that I don't mind the old colors. I don't mind the old logo, but it's just like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a Superman duck busting out of the ice and with a hockey stick in the air. And it looks like, it looks more like, uh, it looks more like, uh, you know, when you were kids and you had a coloring book and you had to 
color in the lines. Uh, I think that's what it looks like, and just no way they're getting my money on that one. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the well-known but also forgotten hockey jerseys because it's so bad that you want to forget it. Um, but it was a real jersey. This is not the first time that the Ducks had a jersey like this. I'm shocked that it somehow made its way back. I think it's almost like one of those um, – one of those – I don't know what the, the name of them right now, but one of those like cult following movies where they're so bad that they're beloved by so many. And I think that's what this Jersey has. It almost has like cult following because it's so bad. It's cartoony. Even the lettering and the, the numbering is cartoony. It looks like a bad comic sans font. Um, and you kind of described it as best you could a, a duck holding a stick flying Superman style uh, out out of the front of the chest, but it's it's cartoony the entire thing. So yeah, that also made my bottom three. As as much as I want to say it's not in the bottom three, just because I know it's so bad that it's almost good. It, it's just still too bad to even make it anywhere other than the bottom three. So yeah, pretty obvious choice there, I think, for a lot of people. Um, but hey, you know, it's maybe it pops a little bit more on TV. Who knows? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know you're trying to be as positive as you can. I, I just don't see it at all. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at my bottom three list right now and, and realizing that I went solely Pacific Division for all bottom three reverse retro jerseys. Yeah. Okay. Who's, who, do you, who else you got on there in the bottom? I've got the Canucks as well. Um, because... I, I absolutely love the color scheme. I think that the Canucks – with their their blue and their green and the white, I think that is a much better color scheme uh, than than what they had. Uh, in, I believe it was in the the late '90s, early 2000s, with a darker blue and silver and red. But but the one thing that the Canucks should have never brought back, no NHL team should have ever brought it back, was the gradient fade, and that's yeah. What this jersey yeah. one color morphing into the other halfway down the jersey I just it's a bad bad design I don't like it I like the colors if if it was just those colors and the old Canucks logo this would be nowhere near my bottom three but because we went with the gradient fade again I just I, I can't support that so unfortunately the Canucks make the bottom three yeah I'm I'm well I mean I think the only thing that like you said the only thing that saves that one for me is the color scheme you know, I think that's, I do like the green and the, the dark green and the, and the dark blue. I think that's, that saves it. And so I'm, I'm, it's not in my bottom three, but it, I mean, I don't like the fade either. I think that's kind of bad. And I was so happy when the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars got rid of that fade on the helmet too. I mean, that just looked awful. Yeah. So my, I think my next one is going to, I'm going to go with the Calgary Flames. Uh, I just, I never, ever understood why they had that horse head logo uh, with flames coming out of its nose. I just, it looks like a dragon. It just, that logo is, is terrible. And I, I, I just, I'm always, I've, you know me, I'm like, if you have a classic, really classic, clean look, clean jersey, why change it? And you know, I think the original Calgary Flames, you know, when they first moved to Calgary, they had such a great look. I don't know why they ever deviated from it, uh, but going to the black and then having that horse head logo, it's just, just awful. And, 
that's another one that's in my bottom three. All righty. And what's your final bottom three then? Well, I, I have a toss up. Uh, I'm probably going to go with the Buffalo Sabres again, for the same reason that uh, the, the Calgary one, they, they went to that old weird logo. They have right now, they have such a classic logo and to go back to the one that they had in the late nineties just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, 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 there's no way I'd spend any money on a, on a retro Jersey that just, <laughs> when you go back to a bad logo, yeah. I just think that's awful. The other one that I didn't really care for is the, the Detroit Red Wings, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having the red piping, they have gray. It just kind of looks, I, I just looks kind of plain to me. And, but again, with the, with the, with the Red Wings, they've had such a classic Jersey for since their inception I don't know how you even do like a retro jersey or uh, what, how you even go about that, but I just I wasn't a big fan of that. Yeah, I thought the Red Wings could have done a, a little bit more there. I was underwhelmed with that selection. Um, I, I do agree with you on the Buffalo Sabres. I, I think that that's much like the, uh, the Canucks for me. I absolutely love the colors. I just there's one part of the Jersey that I can't get over it. And that logo, I mean, if you were going to go with a logo from, from the past, I would have gone with the old Buffalo Sabres head instead of that cross sword logo. Um, The color scheme is great. Again, that Buffalo is working with, I just, the rest of that Jersey doesn't do it. But my last one is the San Jose Sharks. I, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of gray as a primary color for the Jersey in general. Um, And I think if you do gray as the primary color, you really have to get it right. And the San Jose sharks just have way too much going on on the sleeves. The gray is kind of, it doesn't work with the rest of the colors for me as the the primary color. And uh, I I think the San Jose sharks have either been hit or miss with their jerseys. And this one is a a pretty big miss in my opinion. Um, I, I just don't like all the, the gray that they have going on. So I'm going to give San Jose and just complete the, the Pacific division trifecta there with the, the bottom three. I, I'm just not a big fan of the, what the Sharks did with this one. Yeah. I have a question for you, though, when we look at these jerseys. Look at the, Island, the Islanders jersey. Isn't that exactly what they wear now? Yeah, there, there were a couple that didn't really look much different and I again I know the uh the reverse retro is supposed to be a a throwback to to something in the past at least but you know yeah I think they could have done a a, something a little bit more unique different there because it it is basically the exact jersey that they have now but the Islanders have never had great jerseys to choose from so I won't they had the fisherman head yeah I I, that would have been my bottom three then I I think it's that (laughs) Something that looks exactly like what they now than the fisherman head. You should never bring that one back. <laughs> no, no, it looked like the guy from the fish sticks uh, box. But I, I guess if the ducks brought back their, uh, their yeah, he could have brought back the fisherman head. That would have just gone full send with the the bad retro jerseys. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I you know I applaud the teams that went completely different. I don't necessarily have to love them, but a team like the Coyotes going with a purple hockey jersey um the la kings went back to their purple and gold roots uh the st louis blues went back with those i love them personally the the blue and almost orange and yellow uh with the music note on there so i applaud the teams that went really different um and the islanders yeah they they don't get many style points but it wasn't bad enough to put it in the bottom three also
Uh, no, no. Let, let's go top three. Um, I guess I'll kick this one off. Uh, this was a little bit different. I have two divisions represented instead of just one in this ranking. Um, but I'm going with the Capitals for one of mine. I really like the way they combine the new color scheme, which is actually the original color scheme that they used to have with the red, white, and blue. And then that kind of middle era where they had the Washington, the, the Capitol building itself on the sleeves um, and the Eagle crest on the front, but they have the red, white, and blue kind of vintage colors. I really like the way they combine those two different eras, and I think it's a pretty sharp jersey. I do think I do agree with you. That's a, that's a pretty sharp one. I'm not a fan of the diagonal uh, lettering across the bottom. I that's that's the one thing that kind of puts it more in the middle for me. Uh, but I, I the colors do really pop. It's you know a red and a, a dark blue. I think that really that really pops. I, I do think that's a good one. Mm -hmm. That's is that your number one? No, that's it, not my number. In order, uh, I have a I have a clear number one. My clear, I think my clear number one might be your clear number one. Um, it, you know how I, I'm a big fan of all the retros, and I got to go with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, it's basically the old Quebec Nordiques jersey, uh, but they've adopted the the Avalanche colors of of uh, maroon and blue, and uh, I that's a jersey that's all I've always loved that jersey. You know, even back from the days when they were in the WHA, you know, the especially the road jersey, the light blue one with the with the Nordiques logo and the and the the fleur de lis across the bottom. I think that's always been that's always been uh, at the top of my list of all time jerseys. Yeah, you know me pretty well, Jim, because that is my clear number one uh, as a. Uh, I feel like I've adopted the Colorado Avalanche as my second favorite team here in the last couple of years after picking them to win the Stanley Cup and then uh, supporting their jerseys. For my money, Colorado right now might have, if you include this one now, the best set of jerseys in the NHL. Uh, their normal jerseys are great. They have a, a bunch of now amazing alternate jerseys. Uh, I don't think they've missed with a jersey in the last 10 years, to be quite honest. Uh, yeah. I that Nordique's logo, the Florida Lee is a great touch. The color scheme's fantastic. Uh, there, there isn't anything bad about that jersey. So, yeah, that was my clear number one as well for the Avalanche. Um, there, I, I think there were a lot of jerseys that I really liked, but this one far and away was the one that I would go out and buy right away um, if I was going to grab a jersey. So, Avalanche number one, we both have it on the list. I, to me, that's no surprise at all. Um, this last one, I don't know if it was a, a surprise that I liked it as much as I, I did, but I really liked the Columbus Blue Jackets jersey. I thought it was pretty sharp. Um, again, the color scheme. I liked the white padding on the shoulders. Um, that Columbus Blue Jackets logo that they have is, is a pretty cool one. Um, I, I just liked a lot about it. I'm not a, usually a huge fan of the Blue Jackets jerseys. I don't mind them, but I don't love them. But this one, for whatever reason, really caught my eye. So I'm going Blue Jackets with my last pick. Yeah, I got – there's a couple that I, I thought were – you mentioned earlier the Kings. I really love the purple. Um, I wish they would go back to that full time. A couple of years ago, they went to – they had some throwbacks that were purple. I, I just – I, I think that's a much better look than the gray and black and gray that they have right now. I, I wish they would go back to that right now. I also really, you don't like the gray. I know you don't like the gray, but I kind of like the, uh, 
Carolina Hurricanes jerseys with the old the, the throwback to the uh, Hartford Whalers with the with the gray the gray colors. I thought that was that was really good. And the other one that I had was uh, the old uh, New Jersey Devils. Yep. You know the green and red. You know that's such a unique color scheme, and um, they used to be. It used to be a red jersey with green and white trim on it. This one is green. The main color is green with red and green trim. I think this is better than the original. Mm. You know, I, I like the, the dark green body more than the, I did the, the red. But I, it's a, such an interesting color scheme with the green and red. It's so unique. I don't know that there's any other team in North American sports that has, well, the Minnesota wild, I guess they do have green and red, but it's such a unique color scheme. And so, uh, so different. I, I really like that as well. Yeah. I will say that the, the Hartford Whalers gray, it doesn't bother me because I love the Hartford Whalers jerseys so much. Um, so, you know, that one doesn't bother me as, as much. It was just kind of the gray is the primary color. And then the rest of the way the Jersey laid out for the sharks wasn't, wasn't great and wasn't up to my liking, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with the the Devils being just outside my top three as well. I think that was, like you said, better than the original. Looked really, really sharp. And I think the last time they threw green in the jersey, it was during their uh, their stadium series games a couple years yeah. ago, the New York Rangers. And I thought those were good, but this one is much better and uh, really nice. That's it's tough to incorporate green the right way in a jersey that also has some red, but they nailed it on this one. Yeah. So yeah, time to break out the wallet and go on a little shopping spree. I know you. You know me though. I when you give you tell me to to put together a top three, there's always at least five in there. So I always, I, I at least continued my trend of breaking the rules. Exactly. Yeah. We well, we couldn't have a list. Without <laughs> that, so we'll come up with, uh, another list here shortly, so we can uh, break the rules again. But. Yeah, the new jerseys coming out. I think you can start buying them here shortly, if not already. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which which team's fan base really adopts their new retro jersey the the most. Uh, I would have to guess the Avalanche get a lot of support there because those are pretty fantastic. But uh, we will see, and we'll look forward to some Fighting Saints hockey again. Not this weekend. The game's being postponed for health and safety reasons. But on Monday as of now, still on as scheduled 6.30 puck drop against the Des Moines Buccaneers in Des Moines, the Fighting Saints back after a couple weeks hiatus. And we'll have that call on MixLR. So tune in at 6.15 on Monday night to start your week with some hockey. And until next time, Jim, we'll uh, talk to you maybe after that game. We'll do another impromptu Fighting Saints report to break things down since we haven't had a real game to talk about in a couple weeks. All right. Everybody stay safe out there.